All right, welcome to another episode here at the Culture and Sports Podcast. I'm Wesley Livingston. I'm Mike Scaramella. And we are excited to bring you the second episode of our second season here at Culture and Sports. Um, we have an awesome guest, uh, family, friend, um, an Oceanside High School alum, um, ex-NFL player uh, on the path to owning mm. his own business and state farm agency, uh, Kyle Thomas. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Good. How are you guys? Good morning. Good, man. Well, not some morning. Good Absolutely. Afternoon. Right afternoon for you. Thanks for coming <laughs> there. But uh, yeah, man, we, we're excited huh? to talk to you. We have a couple of um, things we want to start with. Um, I mean, just in general, yeah. how, how did you get started in sports? I know I know, it's a, you're a football guy. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell us yeah. a little bit of how you got involved in that? Well, actually, uh, I was a soccer guy first. Uh, my older brother is the reason why I got into any sports. Actually, he's six years older than me. Uh Always been athletic. Uh, he played soccer first. I followed him into soccer, played traveling soccer through Oceanside. But then as we got older and he transitioned into football, we always played football in the parks. But then he went to Oceanside High and I followed up behind him just trying to be like my brother. They even called me little E.T. His brother, his name is Eric Thomas. They called him E.T. and I was little E.T. So I just followed what up behind him. What made you transfer into football? Just, my size. <laughs> I was going uh, to say they yeah, called you little little ET, but <laughs> not so much little ET. And it's crazy because I'm way bigger than him now. So, uh, but no, my size. I always had a big foot, but then when I, by the time I got to, I'll say right before high school, my shoe size was too big. They, they didn't make cleats, soccer cleats, my size. <laughs> so I was wearing size what 15, 16 going into my freshman year of high school. Still kind of short, but I had to grow into my body. Freshman year, wearing 15, 16. That's crazy. So. So is yeah. your brother always the guy that would pick on you when you were younger? And then now that you're bigger than him, uh, <laughs> kind of just – I would say, him. yeah, uh, I don't. I wouldn't say he uh, picked on me. He was the man in the house, so he more just was my mentor, my, first, my very first mentor, right, my, my father yeah. figure. Um, more just showing me the ropes, putting me in check when I need to be in check. Um, my mom carried a tight whip also, so she didn't play that. So nobody really, like, picked on us. But uh, every now and then he, he would lay the hammer down, right? But nowadays it's a little different, yeah. right? Nowadays, it's a little, but there's still that mutual respect, right? I do know he's a little nuts, so I don't really push well, him he, too much. He was so. he was uh, six six years older than you, so like, how did that like? How do you think that yeah. that uh, transitioned you from being like you know just like an average athlete to you know going to the next yeah. level? Because you got to kind of stick with your brother and kind of stick on his. So field, you're hanging right? out with the older kids and the bigger kids. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So hanging out with the older kids made me uh, – I got in trouble a lot was at school for playing too rough with the kids. Uh, I would get suspended actually around lunchtime because I was being too rough with the kids my age. So it made me, I guess, play with a different mindset because I wasn't scared of hitting somebody. I wasn't scared to play physical. You weren't even being hit was, the biggest guys around. So. Yeah. And, and that's one thing he would do to me also. If, if I got hit and I cry or something – he would give me something to cry right. about, right? So there was always that figure of somebody else. My size, my age, I don't, I didn't see him. I didn't see any type of like, I guess, fear or hesitation because I was so used to the older guys. There was a time, I remember one story where I was probably like six or seven and my brother wanted to go to that local high school or local school at San Rafael, right? No, she's yeah. like San Rafael, right by the front gate. And we walked up there and it was all high school kids playing football, right? And my brother, they were like, he can, my brother's like, he can play. They're like, no, nah, no, nah, he's too little. We're going to hurt him. He goes, no, nah, no, he won't. No, you won't. <laughs> and my brother talked to me, and I got to play with the older kids. So I've always played with the older kids. 
and hung out with older kids. So it just put me in a different. It makes you it makes you tougher. I mean, I remember the same thing. My, my cousins oh, yeah. were older. I got picked on and tormented all the time. But you know what? Yeah. I went back and played with kids my own age, and things changed. You know. <laughs> Just, yeah. you know. And there was a rule. You don't come home crying no. crying, or somebody's going to give you something to cry about. So Absolutely. that's that's just how it was. That was in a lot in our house, too. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely. I'll give you So were you always, were you always yeah. on, the, on the larger side uh, compared to the kids your age? Or? I would say mm, no. Actually, not until high school. I was, I guess, on the, I was a. I don't want to say a big kid because there's average size big kids and then there's these ginormous yeah. kids nowadays. So I wasn't them, right? But I, in reality, no. I would say I, I, didn't, I didn't really hit that growth spurt. I just had big features. My feet were really big. My hands were really big. My lips were big. Everything was big on me except for my height, right? Up until about my sophomore year of high school. I think I went into high school maybe at five, seven. Yeah. Five eight, maybe. My size back then. When I was now, younger. yeah. So, Jovan, my, a couple of my friends now who are just five ten, five nine nowadays, they were bigger than me at that time. Going into high school, way bigger than me. It just so happens that I just hit a growth spurt and just just blew up. How big? Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what athletes at that time? Um, you know, with your your bigger features, did you look at other athletes and kind of say, "This is someone I could see myself." You know, did you see yourself? Taking oh, yeah. athleticism to the I, next level, and yeah, I, everybody always told me I was going to be tall. My dad was tall, um, and I was athletic, so I like Eddie George. Eddie George is my George, favorite running back. There. Everything he did, man, I just knew I was going to be a big running back, running the ball, running people yeah. over, faster than people. I just knew I was going to be a running back until. No, honestly. Hey, so so honestly, my first year, freshman year of football, uh, we had to go out there and run 40s, right? 40 yard dash. And uh get out there, I'm going third. Everybody knew I was a hot shot from junior high playing football, so everybody knew I was gonna play. And I was like, I'm gonna be the running back. Get out there and run the 40, and my first 40 was oh, six seconds. <laughs> so for hey, listen, I think at my wedding, somebody's gonna call me six flat. <laughs> They called me six flat. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> from that day on, so <laughs> they won't raise so me for, down. For those of those people that don't know, I would say in yeah. high school, what do you say? An average uh, forty yard dash for uh, for a halfback is what five, four, nine, four, eight for a for a halfback. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, but Oceanside always had four, eight, four, yeah, seven. Oceanside has is a really nice guys. high school so running guys, back. Those guys, some of those guys right. are flying. Yeah, running backs with yeah. receivers. Now we did have a Reggie Bush, yeah. right? In our in our area, we did have a Reggie Bush, but he was one in a yeah. million, right? You so remember, you speaking remember, of Reggie Bush, he yeah. needs his Heisman back. Give him his Heisman back. Who's the other man? That man is Who's the other guy that always went back and forth with him? Brandon Anthony at El Camino. I played Pop Warner with Speedy uh, for about three years. We were on the same team. We were on the Falcons. I went to Florida with them and everything. And he was, man, he was fast out the probably. He was the man level. was just fast. I think, I think, yeah, I think at Tri City, he had the fastest birth ever. I think he came out. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, probably. He had to. Out. Came out running. Came out running. Yeah. Yeah, get the ball. Obviously, I mean, we just gotta, we just gotta yeah. get some stick them to him, and uh, 
yeah, yeah yes, sir. Just, yes sir so hey who do you think your most most influential person was so you, you went into high school it was it you think would you say it was your brother was your most influential person like getting you to that first level of high school to like that that, that you know more competitive stage it's gonna sound crazy uh my brother was a huge part because he was the first ma male mentor right. right my dad was in the house but my overall first mentor is my mom right my mom has a uh, a mindset like no other. She's strong. She's a survivor. She uh she had to go back to school and learn how to read. So she went through a literacy program while raising the three of us while she owned her own business inside the home, which was successful, right? So she had to go do that and then went back to school to do what she's doing now in the medical field. So I would say my mom is just a tremendous like mentor. There's no stopping her. There's no reason why you can't get it done. Think of all the stuff right? you did in order for you to get you know, to where you are all the time that she spent. It's crazy when you think about parents and how, like, yeah. you know, they're, I mean, you think back and, like, I know now, like, I didn't kind yeah. of put it all in perspective back in the day, but now you look back and, like, wow. Like, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like, okay, for, to put it in a con, con was it? Con, context. Con, context, like, yeah, context. We were just talking about time, right? And how just being a father, time is like the diapers and everything, right? My mom had three kids, right? by herself went to do a literacy program throughout the day she basically took care of what eight kids in the house after that worked over till about when she got the last kid when it left the house around 6 30. uh she went and worked at tri-city in the auto in the autoclave whatever it's called uh till about 12 o'clock at night then come home repeat right every day plus she was doing the school stuff and learning how to read plus we all played Watching sports she never missed a game she never That's missed a game. That's amazing. Like, I, I complain about time right now. I miss phone calls. I miss things like that. I'm like, this woman, like, I have no excuse, right? So just that, that's the ultimate, I feel, my mentor who just showed me, like, you can always make but you know it what the, Yeah, that's the you coolest thing right there. Just like, you know, no matter how what you have mm -hmm. on the table, like, if you really put your mind to it and you have something that you need and want to do, like, you could do it. You could do it. So, right. You could do it. You could do it. The only thing that's stopping you is yeah. you. I think that's the biggest obstacle. And most people don't see that. I mean, a lot of times you're looking at this and that, but at the same time, it's just like, hey, look, work on yourself uh, a little bit. And yeah. I think that goes a long way for, you know, success in the future and sports and whatever you're doing. I think it goes, You, I think the more you start working, the earlier you start working on yourself also, the, it propels you. And I feel like that also is from looking at mentors before. I had a great mentor in junior college, uh, Coach Rush. And I got to spend a lot of just individual, just one-on-one -on -one time with Coach Rush. When I first moved up to San Francisco, man, I was a fish out of water. It was so different. You'd think the same state, California, but just so different. And I moved there also in a crazy time of my life. I think I had just gotten stabbed. I had just been in a different place where I thought I was going to quit football, right? So I get there. I spent a lot of time with Coach Rush and just talking about him developing himself and how I need to develop my anger. So I had a lot of anger, resentment at that time and how my emotions was being my guide, what guided me in all my actions. It was just all emotions, just reacting, reacting, reacting. And he would talk to me about that. So for a long time, I've had somebody talking to me about how I could develop me or put, he was the first to put that inside my head about how I'm in control of my, my thoughts and my actions after you know, my feelings, because I have so many just different emotions going on at that. Well, year. that's what's crazy. I was actually going to bring that up because I was going to say, uh, you know, you had one, probably one of the most successful coaches in high school, uh, John Carroll. 
mm-hmm. uh, and how, how yeah. you know, what he, what kind of an influence he was in, in being able to get you to that next level where they can actually like, you know, um, compartmentalize each different aspect of your game. You know what I'm saying? Like, was that like more of a building thing right. where it's everything all together? And then you went into individual things later on with junior college and college and kind of built it up that way? Um, I would say because I was around Coach Carroll for so long, because my brother went through Coach Carroll, right. right? Being in Oceanside, you just know who Coach Carroll is. There's that respect there. I don't want to say it's so much mentorship um, because you have – so many interactions with teachers. You only see him after basically PE yeah. and after school, right? So really dealing with individual drills. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. Coach Pulu, rest in peace, he was more of a mentor to me directly, right? But Coach Carroll did teach us something that I learned at that age, which took me on to each level or everywhere I have been, is the fact that no matter where I showed up, it doesn't matter what they've already have done and put in place. I still got to put in that work. Because being at Oceanside, there's a winning mentality that – if you're a freshman, you just feel like your senior year, you're going to be at the stadium, playing in CIF, doing all those great right. things, right? But it's it's really preached that it, those things are earned. Like, you just don't fall into a situation. You may fall into a good situation, but to be successful, that's just a setup. It's what you do with that situation, right? You so that, I mean, you learn that again. And that's why I've always liked, yeah. I always liked Coach Carroll because he, he did that. Like, you know, if you didn't earn it, you weren't playing. Like, you know, you mess up in practice, yeah. you ain't playing. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, no matter how good you were, no matter no, yeah. who you thought you were, like, if you messed up, you didn't right. take care of your business, you didn't take care of your academics, you didn't, you know, he wasn't mm-hmm. playing with that, you know, and that's something that a lot of people. I would, I would say, at times, if we would look more towards like the academic spot, we have so many talent. If we look at more like towards the academic side of what's going on in Ocean Side from sports, we have so many great athletes. I feel like we don't do enough when we don't win when they do have bad grades. So I don't always think that Coach Carroll did do enough at that time because we would have more scholarships out of Oceanside. We'd have a lot more players because there's a ton of talent. And that goes from not just Coach Carroll. Yeah. And I don't want to just put that yeah. on that, man, because he has done yeah. so great things. But even El Camino, right? El Camino has a ton of yeah. talent, right? Fulbright, a ton of talent. And you don't see too many schools, maybe like four or five, at one time, maybe get a D1 scholarship that make kind of a big deal. But for the most part, outside of that, everybody's going to Which Palomar. pretty crazy. Right? You're going to Palomar. They, there was. There was so much talent. We had dude, there was so much yeah. size in Oceanside. Like, we got, you know, so many so, yeah. big Samoan guys that were fast and strong. And it's just like a lot of these guys yeah, didn't get to was, play. And they sh- and they should have been starting. And and both those teams were powerhouses, yeah. you know. It's just, it's, it's pretty do you, crazy. Do you feel that because of some of the, the players' talent levels, they're – academics and stuff that they did off the field would be overlooked sometimes or kind of like swept under the rug to keep, oh, keep the team relevant yeah. or to keep, you know, that, that hierarchy of OSHA side of what you were 11 and 0 when you, when you graduated, right? Did you guys went undefeated? Or, yeah. 11 yeah, and 0. So um, I would say they do, they don't just don't do enough, right? After sports and everything, like, there's not a lot of study halls. There's not a lot of different avenues. Uh, they're not teaching. At that time, we weren't really learning about what we need to do to get into college or what we should be preparing for, what tests we need to take, right? I, I went into – I had to go to junior college, right, because I didn't do know anything about clearinghouse, right? So didn't know anything about that. But I wasn't the only one, yeah. right? And very few. I think when we had – we went 11-0. Right. And I don't think we only had three people get a scholarship. And that's not and one to a D one, two, two, and 
and we had a great team, yeah. right? So oh, we had two to D1, Russell and Derek. And then I believe Cameron was another one that got a uh, uh, got a uh, uh, hold on. My family just got here. What's up, y'all? What's up, man? Uh, he played ball with me also in, in college. Oh, we're so, nice. Couple, couple, couple. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. But I just think we would have, we, we, they just could be do a lot more in our city, allowing, helping kids get those those opportunities. Maybe they're doing that now. I don't, I really don't know. I haven't kept up with it, but at that time. See, the one thing that, the one thing that yeah. I see from Oceanside, I mean, I was, I was always one of those guys that was like, okay, let's go have some fun. You know, let's go get some stuff done. So it's just like there was, there might have been those study halls, but at that time, I didn't have some. I didn't have like a mentor. Or somebody saying, "Hey, well, you should go do this." At that time, I was like, "I'm going to the right. beach." You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the beach. Yeah. I'm gonna go with my friends. Yeah. We're gonna go do this. We're gonna go do that. Getting a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's yeah. a mentality of just Oceanside in general. You know, right? Because nobody- right, and that's that's uh, that's crazy because we do have so much talent there, but there is a, a lack of resources. I, I would say in that aspect of really having ment- real mentors to help these kids guide and find the things that they love to do or have some type of passion and put energy yeah. towards. Yeah, um, and I see a lot of growth. There's, there's a lot of growth going on in Oceanside now, yeah. but is that just for tourism or is that also going to be resources that goes back into the communities? Because we have, a, there's a gang problem. There used to be a gang problem in Oceanside, right? And we they created a task force for in the mil- in police department, but I don't remember them doing anything else for the community to really like Help the people. I've been seeing, I've been seeing right? hotels so, being put up in new restaurants along the beach. Along the, that's about yeah. it. Though. I feel like that's yeah. not going to go towards. That's anybody. not. That's not coming back to. That's the a tourism. I mean, part, yeah, yeah, but that's we live in a touristy area. Oceanside is a tourism yeah. attraction. It'd be interesting know, to like find out if Southern California. But you would think it is now. But back then, when we're talking about when we were going to high school, it wasn't a tourist no, no, place, Philly, right? It was at all gang affiliated, right? And but we also had a lot of talent on the football field, right? Or a lot of talent on the basketball And a lot of them that got dragged into those to the games in general. The mentorship was so crucial, especially back then, is that we lost a lot of uh, RIP Chris Fuimano to great football players, you know, that could have done so. Justin Justin Nolan, who was doing great things at Colorado Mm -hmm. um, and, like, lose lose their lives way too soon over, you know, things that have been going on in the area. Over over something dumb, right? So that's where I, I, I would say... We were talking about, uh, my, my queen and I were talking about, is it enough to just put kids into sports, right? Is that the activity to put us in, right? But now as I get older, I'm going to say no, because it, it's, it's, it doesn't, I guess, take a part of the mind that takes away that. I guess it just, in some cases, it, it builds that aggression, right? Because with football, you build that aggression. So. But they- we need some type of distraction that builds another part of our mind. Do you think it's the sport or do you think it's kind of the, the yeah, do you think it's the, the, or the, the sport, the culture of football? Because I would say the culture in football is a, a lot different than a culture in basketball or baseball or, or tennis. I would say, yeah, it's the culture. Yeah, it's the culture. It's the, culture the, whole league, like, the sport is a beautiful, is a beautiful yeah. game. I don't even watch football nowadays because of the culture of football. But I I love the game. Like, if just the way somebody may love chess or love these other mental games, I love football on the, the mental yeah. aspect. However, when it comes to the culture of football, when we're looking from a 
a race level or on a economic level or they do representation or how they care for the people who after they play in the league or get to the highest level they're just discarded after they can't produce anymore right all these things so the it's medical just, problems and it, it, the lack it, of that the medical problems that they do for- i just i was watching an interview the other day and it it didn't even it didn't even dawn on me until that interview and he the guy was saying that one you have to sign when you sign your your players rights you sign your players rights to also sue for malpractice Right. When you become an NFL player, you set you sign. You can't sue the, the team doctor for malpractice. Right. Oh, I did not. So in that, that case, the, the, the doctor is hired by the team. Right. So he can tell you whatever it is. Right. To get you back on the field, to produce and build and put some money in somebody else's pocket. Oh, no, you're good, man. Hop out there. You'll be fine. And that's not. <laughs> and I played so hurt so many times. I played so many of this. And that's just, part of the culture in that, football, right? You players are you play it's so competitive. It's so it's such an mm-hmm. aggressive game. People are getting hurt, but they don't want to lose their spot. You 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 sit out a game, yeah. sit out a couple of plays. Somebody somebody has a good game, and yeah, you're in come trouble. Up right behind you and take your spot. So that competitive yeah. and that eagerness to stay relevant and stay part of the team. But on the flip coin, on the flip on the other side of the coin, right? That same man, mentality helps you in corporate world as far as like. Production-wise, and and working in in an office space and and performing at a level where you don't want nobody to come take your right. spot, that's ingrained in you now. You're always in in thinking that somebody's behind you gonna take your spot, gonna do this. So you always are pushing to maximize your production. Absolutely, and it, right? definitely that's so, a, that's a sports thing, and and that's why you know I'd say you know yeah. if I ever create my own business, I'm gonna get a bunch of guys that are guys and gals that have been on sports teams that know how to work together that can you know, work together for a common purpose, which is to win or to do well yeah. in business or whatever it is, you know. But they also have to do a lot of self-development. I, I'm learning that a lot. Like football, although it teaches you those great life lessons, man, I can also read somebody's knuckles and see if they're going to go forward or go backwards, right? But that does nothing for me in the office. I have to really go out and develop myself in certain skills, whether that's business development, right. my writing skills, and all those things, because... When we go back to education and we're talking about an athlete and whether it's college or even high school level, the emphasis for them to really perform at the highest level on the in the classroom is not really there. When we're talking about making other people money or another school money or a, a business or something money, your personal interests aren't really. And why does that matter when we're talking about money over here? Do your job. Well, that's that's why I think it's so important. My bad. That's why I think it's so important. It's just like you know, when you're in football or when you're in baseball, how many small, little, tiny drills do you do to get better at things? So you know, it's the same thing when you're in business. It's like, hey, look, how many small, little things can you do to build up to create that business? Otherwise, you know, it's you're going to stay in the same spot. You can't like you can't make right. steps that are even right here. You got to build, 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 build. Yeah. And I think doing those little small yeah. things and learning those things from sports is what kind of gets people, you know, people like, like us, you know, more competitive and just, uh, just a better business, you know, be more business savvy in general, actually. I think. Yeah. And, and going back to the whole concept, like going back to mentors, I feel like as somebody who's been an athlete my whole life, I've always had a coach. Right. So now to get out into away from sports, doing something different, I still search for somebody who is looking at my blind spots 
picking apart where I'm doing things wrong. And at times, you know, I'm not, I don't like constructive criticism. I don't think anybody does, but at the end of the day, you know, you need it to be better. Yeah. So, and to really be a leader, if you're not looking for people who are pointing out things that you do wrong, you're going to be leading people down the wrong way all, all the time. If you don't understand so how to fix stuff, it's good for you. Then, then you're in trouble. Like, you know, you got to be able to take that criticism, right. figure out what you did wrong and adapt it. Otherwise, first of all, you can't get better in sports. You can't grow your business. And if you Think can't do it yourself, you yeah. allocate that responsibility to somebody else. And that's, that's yeah. But you can only really do it. This is why mentorship or help or servicing people, we're all connected because I can only, without any type of somebody telling me like, I, where I'm going or criticizing my 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 bad step or somebody going over and correcting my math equation, just checking it twice without really having that, I will always be blind. Right. right? Like so I can't really develop or really go the direction I'm trying to go. To you even you gotta have a compass somewhere, right? You gotta have a compass. Whether that's gonna be helping that's gonna be coming from somebody else or some some entity, it's gonna come from help from something else. You're not going to do it truly by yourself. Right. And one of the cool things is, is you, you learn that it's not just one mentor. Like throughout your life, you'll have yeah. tons. And if, if you do it right, you will. I mean, that was mm. one of the things that we had in our last podcast. It was one of those things that I, I you know, I, I chose one or two. And it's just like, you know, you should have one in every category that you want to do well with. So, you know, if you're going to be doing yeah. you know, investing, you know, find somebody that does investing, you know, like like hook on to them, you know, learn, learn what you can and then help somebody else. If you know someone that's really good at talking to about it, mental health, you know, grab them and yeah. talk to them and speak to them. And that's two parts. You should have intentional mentors for the things that you are trying to strive to become to do and write for work. But then you also have a uh, have to have a sponge mind. Right. Because everybody can be a mentor. I'm learning that just my future wife is now. Someday she's teaching me, she's mentoring me at times, right? So I'm learning from her, right? So in certain situations, how I handle it, I may be immature in my thinking for that situation, but because I have somebody next to me who is not, who is very mature in that situation thinking, and if I'm open to it, now that person is mentoring me. So you need to at all times be open to anybody. And that's right? something good. Not saying accept every damn thing, but that's something good for be open to the right information. If you think about it, you know, you got to yeah. make sure and take everything in and actually, uh, I mean, a lot of the times you don't really focus on small things. It's like, oh, yeah, do this, do this. And you're like, okay, whatever. And you do it, but you don't really take it to heart. And when you do and you can actually learn from it, you actually, just like you said, stay open to it. So that's super important. I, I yeah. definitely agree with you on that for sure. Um. I have a question. Uh, where where do you think you experienced your most amount of growth? Was it like that transition from you know high school to college? Did you experience you know the insane amount of <laughs> whether it's physical, emotional, you know, um, or was it when you went from your college to kind of your professional field? Um, where where do you feel like you had the most amount of change or growth as a as a man? I laugh because I, my, my one of my best friends, Will, was sitting right here, and he's been with me for like, man, from the day I got to West Texas A&M to whenever. So it's like, I would say, I, mm, that's a great question. I think I'm continuously developing. Uh, I would say my biggest growth has came in my last recent years, recent year, recent years, and I think that'll always continue for me. I hope, I hope that continues for me. That each year I just 
will be my best development. And do you right? think that's because um, you started just like you said, where it's like, you know, um, you kind of build up and kind of just kind of keep going. It, it just, it, it makes, it makes sense to me, especially when you have, you know, uh, your boys, your same guys that have been there growing up with you the whole time. And then you got your guys in yeah. college that, you know, you can kind of strive with, especially if they're on the same page. I, I think it's everything. It, it's, it's starting. It's, Right now, life is starting to show me that everything I've been through leading up to now all connects, right? Um, and I just know that things are coming into my life for a reason, and they're going to fit in. But maybe it's not so much right now, but at some point in time, God's going to make it appear that, yo, that I see where that fits, right? So I'm open to that. Uh, I would say the last three years of my life from... Man, really committing myself to being just trying to be the best man I could possibly be for my family, my queen, uh, who I'm trying to be in developing myself. That's where my weight loss came from, was just saying, hey, what if I gave my all to what's happening to me right now? Not just half of me, not just using just what I would think my, what people at one point in time would say my athletic ability in the real game of life. It's it's just you can be kind of savvy. Right. But. That's as an athletic ability, but if you really are aware, having your awareness and seeing where you're at in life and moving accordingly with your spirit and what God wants you to do, what does that really look like? Like, I've never really seen the best Kyle. So trying to focus on that, um, I've seen the best development from business, from I read more, uh, how I communicate. A lot of things have changed for me. Just trying to focus the awareness on awareness already. So you know, just knowing that. Yeah. You, you need to right. change or things needed to change or yeah i would highlight um a guy who i just got in in touch with not in touch with but started uh reading and listening to his books that her mom gave to me his name is eckert tolley right eckert tolley talks about the now right and being in present right uh and he once said that People nowadays aren't thinking. We're thinkers. We're just constantly thinking, thinking, thinking. It's almost like we're saturated with just our thoughts and just thinking. But that means we're not in now. We're thinking about the future and the things, so we're constantly reacting. And once he said that, it totally like hit me. I do a constant. I'm constantly reacting. My mind is constantly thinking. When do I shut it off? Right. So trying to focus on shutting it off and really being present. So I'm responding to people now and trying not to react and develop that. And the more I've started to be aware when I'm even in those trends and not being in the now, I can see a change in my, my life it's changing and just been, it's just been a short period of time. So truly a power just trying to be planted, be in the now and be aware of that. Absolutely. That's something that uh, one of my mentors brings up to me, uh, Wade Blair with the Wade Blair group and Keller Williams. He talks a lot about um, just making sure Making sure you have a schedule. So for me, my biggest problem is my schedule. So if I if I have a schedule, if I have things written down, I can stay in the now and I can make sure I'm getting things done. There's a difference between being busy and being productive. You know, people could say, right. I was busy today. I couldn't get this done. But but mm-hmm. a thing that I do with Wade is take a take your whole day, right? And write down the things that you do, whether it's when you say you're you're busy, write down your busy work or your if you're actually working, write mm-hmm. that down. And you can actually see your, how many bathroom breaks you take, how long you're on your phone. You can actually see you weren't really busy. You weren't, I mean, you, were, you yeah. weren't busy and you weren't being productive. You know what I'm saying? You're, yeah. you could do those things. Right. I think that's a huge, that was a huge thing for me is being able to stay in the now and realize mm-hmm. and understand what actually is going on. You know? 
I had a client talk about about that right there about like writing things down and seeing how much time we waste. You know, and he said that. Uh, damn, just let's what he say. I have to come back to it. Now it's on to my tongue. I'll come back to it. I'm no, sorry. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I had a, you know, one of the best things I've ever got yeah. is, hey, look, you know, do your hardest thing first. Yeah. So like for, you know, I'm in sales as well. So it's like, hey, you know, what's the hardest thing? You know, yeah. the hardest thing yeah. for, for a lot of sales guys, cold calls. Yeah. Cold calls suck. You know, you got to yeah. do it though. Get it done early. Yeah. Get it done often. Get it done early. Then you're done. You, you, make it fun. Then you go. Yeah. Try to make it. And that lead gen, that lead gen is where it's all about. Yeah. That's really so going back to what you just sparked it for me, right? So we call things busy. And when we're saying that it's busy, it's us. Our mind is trying to go to the things that it loves to do where it's comfortable, where we don't really have to do a lot of thought, right? So when we're doing thought, when we're doing something, we say out loud, I'm busy, which tricks you into having a negative response, which makes you want to do this less, right? right? And go convert right back to doing what you Let's go yeah, back to what's right. comfortable. Yeah. You're not going to get into the clients. Yeah. You're not going to, you just, just your comfort zone. You got to yeah. get out. And honestly, I feel like most success, any success, yeah. you have to step out of your comfort zone. And it's, it's terrifying. It's right. sucks, but you do it. Yeah. You have to mind. It's a mindset, right? Cause your mind is constantly trying to get back to what it wants, but you have to set it, set it, set a standard, set it where it's going to be and not revert it. But that's going to be a constant fight because your your mind is so tricky. Your mind is going to try to trick you and back to you in that comfortable easiest way possible is what it wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you got to make and you know and you know over here is so much better for yeah. you. You know so much over here is better. For well, I mean, and it's like you know you think about it. I mean, it's exciting. You go out and you know it's it's also terrifying. Mm -hmm. But hey, look, like the things that can happen from getting out of your comfort zone. I mean, it'll change your life uh, in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Making that cold Making call, that call. Yeah, change exactly. your life, right? It's a mindset. I'm you, that right there is, as far as in, in real estate, that is probably one of my biggest mm -hmm. fears and I'm still dealing with today. But cold yeah, call? man. Yeah, man. Worst thing they can say to you is exactly. no. Yeah. Exactly. And then the cool, for me now, I've done it for so long. I've gotten to a point where it's like, how, when, which way can they tell me no? Is it fuck no? Is it kill yourself no? Is it like, what is it? Let's gonna be our And how can we turn that no into something else here? Like, no, no, exactly. How can I? Yeah. And then it's really cool when you can take a no and then have somebody be so solid in their no and you switch their mind. Because once somebody's stuck in their mindset, can't really hard change it. But to know through a sale and putting saying the right things, get them out of their own way. You've done that. So that's so always. Once they realize you're there to offer them a service, you know, you're there to help them out at the end right. of the day. Right. Um, I, I learned that in the hospitality business, serving tables for you know, 10 yeah. plus years. I'm here to get what you. What that's why you're going to be great at this. I got you. I'm, I'm going to do the best of my ability yeah. to make sure you get it. That, you know, so. And that's why you're going to be great at, at real estate because you serve. I've seen you at a, a restaurant and it was packed and the lady was struggling doing her own damn job. And you and most people would be like, come on, do you? God, she ain't give me no ketchup, no nothing. This guy gets up and starts busting tables at a, stop, a spot he ain't never been before. He just gets up and starts busting tables. Because, yeah, and that's the service mentality. That's the thing that's your true heart. So when you serve like that, you're going to be a better leader. Absolutely. Well, any, so, anytime that we've ever, I mean, back when uh, uh, was, was working in the restaurant, same kind of thing. It's just like, you know, 
everybody wanted to have Wesley as a server. Like you'd have people at the front, they'd be like, oh, hey, yeah. look, you want Wesley to be our server tonight. And it's just like, oh, sorry, Wesley's busy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Wesley's not even a server yet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Buster at the time. Well, Buster at the time, they're asking him to serve, yeah. No, but. Hey, that moves you up. Now they got to get him up to be a server. Right, and. First it was with the hamburger. And that's those steps we were now talking about. You know, bring those steps up. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. But that's all because of a service heart, right? So once you have that, you know it's going to take you places. And then when you serve people, more people want you around. And that gives you opportunity in this world to network and talk to and get in certain doors that most people can't get in. Because why? Because they have a taking right. heart, right? But the server hearts can get you inside certain doors and put you in places to actually build the world and be successful. And I feel like the most successful people yeah. come from the people that, you know, you serve and then you pass that on to the next person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're serving this person yeah. and you're like, hey, look, this is how you mm-hmm. do it. This is how you show somebody how to do this. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have a group of people, you know, later on that are all good connections. And and, and at the same time, you know, you're helping people. And, and as long as you're giving them the right, yeah. the right information. Then you have you guys, have you ever read the book, The Go-Giver? I have not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to change your life. Please Please, please read that book, The Go-Giver. It's a little red book. It's probably like 130-something pages, but it will change your life. Uh, My guy, Pandora. I actually am blessed to have – there's a main character in there, Pandora, right? He's the older man, right? And his whole thing is is just help. And actually to actually experience a true human being who is – all he is about is helping and giving things away and putting people in positions to be great and actually see somebody like that. It inspires me to want to be like that, right? So Mr. Gordon, my true mentor nowadays, man, that's all he does is just give, give, give. Like he don't ask for anything back in return. And it's amazing to see the things, how the world just responds to him. And honestly, I think as so, a mentor, you learn you learn just as much as when you're being mentored. You know, because you're learning yeah. how people, you know, handle different things. And then you could transfer that on to the next person. Like, hey, look, I know how this person handled this situation, this situation. I've seen both ways. So this is the best way that's going to yeah. help you to boost yourself to where you want to go in the future. And you can tell your mentor understands the whole yeah. ripple effect of how a good mentorship could lead to a, another great leader, which can lead to another great mentorship opportunity to keep to keep the standards of, you know, the same, to keep the standards on the right side. You know, I think that yeah, and that that says something to the mentors, the fact that they have to continue learning because each person is going to hear them differently. Right. And to be able to say you've spoken to so many different people and mentored so many different people means that you've changed up your way of speaking to each person to really hear you. So that that's a constant learn. Right. That's a constant for some people, a constant frustration. Right. Why don't you understand me? Right. The last person did. Why don't you understand me, right? But you can't go in it like that. Which also, yeah, like like we said, we're talking about earlier, it just shows you different ways to teach it, and it and and when you do that, it solidifies it in you, and you're like, oh, look, then you know it in and out and all around. So there's nothing, no question, yeah. you can't answer to anybody that you're talking to about that uh, because you've already talked to somebody yeah. about it. Yeah, and and that I think that's the the game is is trying to develop to be able to. I want to mentor people, but eventually. I don't know. Well, not eventually. The people that I'll mentor someday, I don't know who will come. Right. So therefore, I don't know what it's going to take to truly say I'm going to mentor that person. I don't know. what. I just can say at that point, I will be committed to truly someday being a mentor for somebody and learning how and what they need. That's what a true mentor does at first is have to learn to see what that person needs, how that person operates and how can I truly put them in the best position. Right. How do you be a true great yeah, coach? Yeah. 
Like you can have so many coaches in the world, but if a coach is putting you at quarterback and you ain't never thrown a ball before, what are you yeah, doing? Not everybody's reading right? the same book is the thing, you know. Exactly. So I, you gotta you gotta see what you got out there, see how that person moves and be committed in developing that person to be the best that they can be. And that's cool how And that's one reason why that's why I've actually stayed out of like coaching right now. I'm not in a position right now to you gotta commit like that to yeah. somebody else. Commit like that to a team. You can't just half ass. Coaching a team is Definitely at young ages. Nonstop. That's, yeah, definitely at young yeah. ages. The Caesars do for kids, you know, mm-hmm. people coming in and out of their lives saying they're going to do this and that for them, promising, you know, help and mm-hmm. tutelage and all this stuff. And then the next year they're on to their next coaching gig or they're on to their next, you know, life goal or whatever it may be. But, yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't really in the sport, so they only coached for half a season and then they went on to have that big old hoorah speech in the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. I'm gonna be here for you guys. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna go th- this far. We're gonna, and the next year, he's you know got a better job because he's got he's getting paid a little bit more. You know, that's the you know, people that sticks with people <laughs> for sure. But that's also that's a, the difference between those people who are great, right? What I'm learning is the people that are great, it's not that they are any type of magical thing, it's that they just show up every day. day. And they're going to be consistent and they're going to put things in place to be even more consistent. And then they're going to show people what they did and they can teach you. And that's where they're great. By example, that's it. They showed up every damn day. Hey, that's a huge thing. Right. And they, as a, as a kid, like, you know, you see somebody show up every day and like, I mean, there's days now it's just like, damn, I just don't want to get up. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Hell and you look at it, you, you know, they don't want to be there. Yeah. Right. You know they, they don't want to be there. And you're like, you're here. Yeah. So yeah. rock with you. We're and, figure this out. Just watching right. that. Right. Watching that and watching Watching good habits, I feel like, is super important. Yeah, so important. So important. is hard. It's, it's watching good habits, hearing good conversations. I think our generation uh, didn't hear a lot of money conversations. I think that would be different for the new kids growing up because we, we are all talking about finances nowadays. We are all talking about trying to make moves or how to put things in place to not work for somebody else. We're all trying to be entrepreneurs in some right. sort so that – our kids don't have to be in these big boxes working for somebody else, right? This is a different world. It's just a, a different mindset of people, and which will lead into the younger generation. Which is so sad because so. we should have heard about this from the beginning. Like my kid would definitely hear oh, about this so much. from the beginning because I, if, if I would have yeah. known what I knew now at seventeen yeah. or eighteen years old, or even like just different, yeah. it would have been things. Things are different. You yeah. Know? How imagine if we would have like how long did we hear that? credit is bad like don't have credit growing up like credit cards are bad credit is bad like and now now we're at the age where i was at a point where i was trying to you know purchase a car or look for homes no credit sorry no no credit history (laughs) is bad is bad credit you know what i'm saying it's you know like so now we're not learning about that was definitely a detriment i have a client who she she came to america when she was like 14, uh, two years after World War II, she's from Berlin. So she lived through all of that, right? Uh, now she's super wealthy, super, super wealthy. And she says she's never owned a debit card. She's only had yep. a credit card. Hey, super wealthy. She's super pay, wealthy. Right? right? That and when you, if you, when you do pay it back, this world's built off of credit. Your checking account, she was saying to me, was like, when you're checking account, you pay, you put your money in your checking account. It doesn't build your credit. Right. You just pay right? interest. So yeah. in that aspect, why are we using that? We're using our own capital to give it away, and that's truly giving it away. If it doesn't do anything for us, no return. 
every dollar we spend is an investment, whether that's at the grocery store, whether that's in a home or whether that's on anything, that's an investment, right? To give it away with no return, that's even putting in a check. And they say they're giving us a return at these banks. It's only 0.01%. So. And, and with the, by the time inflation hits it, you're down 7% or even more, you know, crazy. Right. Yeah. And you're going to be taxed on. Yeah. Capital gain. You're going to be taxed tax you. They so. don't tax credit. They don't tax it because it's not your money. So, <laughs> right. So it's not like they're going to pull it out and tax yeah. you on that. Um, and meanwhile, I'm using somebody else's money. And my money is over here in a, some type of investment. And, it's, and, and right? when you're using credit, it's insured. You know? There you that's, go. That's insured. Mm-hmm. You're okay. So, I mean, that's definitely one of the biggest things. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up. One of the biggest things I think that my folks did for me is my dad bought a credit mm-hmm. card for me when I was like 16 years old and he would, and he used the credit card himself. So he would, that credit yeah. card, by the time I was 18 years old, I could, you know, buy a car and do all that kind of stuff because I had credit built up. You just had like a gas right. or and that was groceries the, and the smartest bags. thing he ever did. And I, yeah. I was like, I was like, why, you know, why would, why would we do that? I didn't get mm-hmm. it at the time. Yeah. But now that I get it, Holy crap, yeah. like I understand why you did it. And that's something that I'm definitely going to pass down. And it's those small things that you could pass down to other people, which will totally change yeah. your lives. I mean, it's different, you know? That's that's how I feel about when it comes to like life insurance or teaching people about, hey, you could protect your income. How Most people think they got to insure their car, but what about insuring your right. paycheck? Nobody ever talks about that, right? Or what about, you know, we are setting our kids up for even with credit card, credit in your situation, right? What if you could have put something away where your child had his own right. bank, right? So instead of going to Visa and pulling credit from there, what if they pulled from their life insurance, used it and paid themselves back and not paid Visa back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what if we set it up completely different and none of this stuff is now talked that's to your us? Deal, I don't like it. We'll have none to have another stuff, conversation about right? that because... Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah. you, I thought so, you started speaking a different language. I didn't know you were bilingual. I was like, what are you <laughs> So, so there's so many cool things that I, I'm learning nowadays that I know my mama didn't know, right? I'm teaching her things nowadays. I know growing up, this wasn't even like, I walked into an, ins- the first time I walked into an insurance office was going into State Farm because growing up in Oceanside, we get, I got my car insurance from Food for Less, <laughs> right? I went to Food for Less, the little guy at the kiosk. Yeah. Right, know, go to him, set me up fifteen dollars, give yeah. it to him. Miss my yeah, payment for a few months. Dirty, right. 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 Fifteen dollars. I was running dirty for a while until his dad was like, "If you don't get your butt, <laughs> a daily license or something." Yeah. So it, it's just a different game, and then you start seeing who is playing this game, and when these clients do come in with their five-year-olds and they are buying life insurance and and five twenty-nines for the kids for school and all these different things, you're like. Wait, what is that? Yeah. Why are they doing that? Right. And and here's the thing: the initial investment they pay into it. Most people I talk to about the initial investment say it's too much, right? But the same people who are making those investments live great. And the people who seem to tell me that they can't make those investments, right? We seem to be on the same cycle that I'm very familiar with. Yeah. And that's what I've I've learned being in this industry, just seeing it, right? So it's like there's a lot to teach people. There's a lot that I'm learning and applying to my life now that I, I can see, oh, there's going to be fruit at the end of all this that I never would have ever seen, well, see, before, think, right? So it's just – One of the hardest things is, is knowing that you're talking to an honest salesman. Because in sales, I'm in sales. Mm-hmm. I understand it. But it's just like, you know, when somebody's right. really trying to teach right. you something and you're just like, oh, they just want this mm-hmm. for the commission. It's just like, no, dude, like this will really help you. Like you don't understand. 
I, and, yeah. and when you get a person like you, where it's just like, look, I, I'm looking out for your well being. I like, I actually care for you. And I don't want to just throw you yeah. down some random cliff. Uh, and that's, that's something that's interesting. Yeah. And it's just, it's hard to build that trust with the clients. Yeah. I feel like, and, and like, it is, but what I have gone to learn and is that, and I don't want to sound sick by what I'm saying this, but, uh, I once heard a pastor say, uh, God puts us through like trials in life because if we didn't go, we wouldn't grow as much, right? right? We wouldn't try as hard, right? And a lot of what I'm learning now is that everybody will tell me no until they need it, right? Until their insurance is gone, until they're about to get arrested, uh, until they need to get insurance because they're buying a car, right? Um, they need life insurance because uh, they need to pay for uh, a funeral and all these different things, right? You got GoFundMe's, right? So most people don't really want to have a listening ear, ear until they need it, right? Absolutely. Right? And it's sad that that's what it is, but then I just got to make sure that I'm in place to know that when I have your ears, when I have your ear, right? I got to teach you at all times. You may not listen to me now, but I'm not always going to put myself out there to be in front of you because one day something's going to change in your lifetime and you're going to need to know this information. Right. Whether it's too late or not, right? It's going to be real shitty that I've been trying for all this time to tell you, but you're going to need to know it at some point in time when it comes up too late. But like Mr. Gordon always asks people, if what you thought to be true right now turned out to not be true, when would you want to know it? Right. And I'm constantly right. trying to wow. ask that question and get somebody's ear, right? So, right, but know. eventually it's just continues to put myself in front of people. Eventually some life, there will be a life situation that changed. And because of what I do, and because I am honest and I do like to teach, hopefully I'm in the right times that I'm teaching you right in the nick of right. time. Right? No, I totally agree. And that's and that, that was actually, that was, that was a, a good way to put it for sure. Um, yeah. Cause the guy with we we have all lived a life where man I probably wouldn't have done that until this came up or man because I fell into this situation I had to do this but dang look at me now yeah. right I have a but lot of things I should have done a long time that. ago you know it's just like yeah. <laughs> then you think about it and that's why I'm bringing it up now because it's just like okay well you know you think about it now and it's just like okay I get it I get it I get it so in order to change yeah. things I mean don't wait do it now do it don't now. wait do it. And it's always, ah, uh, it's funny because even like just take it down to like a lower level, not to be so like thinking out always towards like your job or just when you're trying to make money, but just in your everyday life when I was trying to do the right thing. And I know it's the right thing for me or the right thing for my family, man, that's when my mind going back to our mind tries to trick me and pull me away from doing the right thing too. Right. So there's a lot of things that I experienced when it's time for me to do the right thing, that also going back to sales, it's and calling it's somebody, I was just gonna they got to do the same thing, sure. right? So I have to, yeah, I got to play the game with them because I know at some point in time, I'm, I'm putting that off too. So I'm putting things off because just human nature, right? Yeah. But, the, but, the growth yeah. Is but if we fight that human nature, yeah. that's what makes the people that's great. The, the people who run after the thing. Because you can stay here. That everybody doesn't want to stay do. here. Yeah. But, I mean, get out of your comfort zone a little bit, go to that next level, yeah. see what happens. You never know what's going to happen. And it's crazy because anybody, I feel like anybody could look back on their life and say, wow, I, I just did this and this whole thing changed for me. I feel like everybody has one of those yeah. moments, but then you got to take advantage mm -hmm. of them when you see them. It's and like, it's, it's hard to do because it, it, it takes a little it's, bit. It's it, like takes, the whole, <laughs> it takes some to do that. For it's sure. like the whole, like the people who yeah. work the hardest get the luckiest kind of thing. You know, it makes sense. Like, I don't really believe in luck. I believe in people put themselves to get blessed with, you know, 
certain things. So I think it's pe- people's work. It's it's not the people who it's the guy. It's the guy who comes in after the guy who works the hardest. <laughs> and the guy quit. <laughs> and the guy who works the hardest quit. And then the next guy picks it and up. And the guy like, who falls right in yeah. after him is like, you should have kept yeah, going. Yeah, you, you know the problem right? is you got one guy that got that one sale or whatever that was. That's how he's going to continue yeah. to work. He's going to grab those single things because yeah. that's what he does. He's yeah. not going to. He's not going to. He's not going to escalate or get any better. But that guy, if he learns how to stay on track and to continue through and follow through with everything, that's the guy that's going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy, the guy who, who just when you say learning to be successful, he's going to get double the reward. Right. It's like the guy who's in the in the mountain cutting for diamonds and then he quits and somebody comes around and gets yeah. all the diamonds. Right. But if he would have kept going, he gets the reward of all the diamonds. Plus, like the reward of knowing that I didn't I stop. Did that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I did I that, can do that. Right. That's empowering for every man. I feel like to do something in this world to where we look at it and be like, damn, I did that. Right. right? I didn't quit. I wanted to quit so many times. It's so hard, but I did Even that. for a small thing, like, I think like something that you were talking that you were saying earlier that I'm starting to do more is, is read more. Just finishing a book, man. It made yeah. it feels good. It's like, yeah, hey, I finished that. I feel good. Like I learned some stuff. Like it's it's a weird feeling. Like you just but you accomplished something, you know. So it's like those small things. And I'm I'm right on the same page with you on that because I just you know recently started reading a little bit more and it's it's yeah. interesting. What's uh what the books that you have finished? Your first book, how big was it? Oh man, it was small. It was probably like it was probably like 95, 100 pages, dude. And that and that was the thing that made me yeah. feel good and maybe go steps, to the next yeah. one. It's just like, dude, I finished this so easily. Like it was nice. Yeah. Like I actually, the hardest thing for me was getting away from doing other things and sitting down with it. finding that time. Yeah, it's yeah. just like yeah. it was nice because yeah. I sat down and it was just like, wow, this is kind of crazy. Like you know, you're putting in time. Yeah. Not only that, but you're bettering yourself because you're learning things. It's it's an interesting thing. And I never read books. I never read books. I've learned when I'm in my times that I've like, so I've gone through patches where I'm constantly want to read my book. Definitely the book I had started with, uh, Think and Grow Rich for the Black Mind. Uh, I started with that book and it was my first book. I really can say that as an adult, I, I read that book, right? I, I sat down and I had to steal time, right? I had to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning. Time for it. Oh, like, make time to make time for it. It was like my my meditation time, right? So and it's it's so rewarding when you finish the book and then you start learning. It helped me focus. It helped me start it probably dropped seeds in my head that are like growing so much now, right? Because just how it helped per- different perceptions, different looking at different things, looking at the picture different. And to change your routine. It's such a different change your routine. To be like, yeah. hey, look, I'm spending this time to read this book and you're put and you're literally putting in effort to do that. It's just like, you know, it's like, it's an extra thing. And if you could do that for a book, you could do that for anything else yeah. in your life. And I thought I like, man, if I could sit down and like, listen to like, like famous old people or things like them speech, give speeches or just the way they thought and just why did they do certain things that way? I could do that all day. Yeah. Right. Reading a book, you get to, this sounds so crazy, like they taught us this all our life, right, the information in the book, but you get to see these beautiful minds from any time period if you read the right, right. book. I was listening to uh, Mike Tyson, of all people, was, is a big time historian, right? And he was talking about all these books that he's read, and you're just thinking about, damn, there's so much to, there's so much knowledge out yeah. there. There's so much to You've never to done, you've never done, you've never done finding out things, you've never done you know so i think but so many people walking around don't want to learn anything new don't want to be anything different. 
and they're they're in their lane and they feel that they got their shutters on yeah Yeah. but i think that was a perfect segue into the end i think we took enough of your times today i think the whole finishing yeah, the finishing aspect. Uh, hey, that hour went by. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you. Only reason I'm saying is because my battery thing popped up, so I'm low battery. So I don't want to. I want to be going, and like we don't have time to record. Like finish the recording. I see the so. tent. Battery. I'm like, all right. Well, I was like, oh snap. But the conversation keeps going. Ocean side, y'all owe me. Nah, there there it it let's, do it. let's do it again. I, I want to do one. This is yeah, number two uh, that we got with you. We need to do three, four, five. Yeah. Talk about something different. I appreciate you.